You're listening to Wix podcast and this is season 2 episode 4. Our guest for today needs no introduction. I'm sure we all know him. He's a Rhodes scholar, graduate of Columbia University, director of Dara Shiko Fellowship and founder of Pinklist India. Yes, you guessed it right. It's none other than Mr. Anish Kawande. There's so much I can talk about, the work he's done and his contributions. But why don't we hear it from Anish himself? Let's get started. Like at later stage. Yeah, so I think that uh I've been incredibly lucky and blessed to have a very accepting family. I think um despite them being conservative on so many more fronts, they've been so warm and so accepting. I came out to all of them on Diwali in 2016 actually and it was to my entire extended family. And it was a wonderful, lovely, warm experience and it was mm, better than anything I could have asked for. Maybe. And I think uh, No, I just said that they've ever since been incredibly supportive of the work I do and actively engaged in it as well. I think what helps is when you're open and when you allow your family to be as curious, as excited about the work you're doing as you are. And once they understand why it means so much to you, uh, that acceptance sometimes follows. Many many times, like families are not accepting, and people uh, uh, feel it very tough to like come out from their uh, closet or just be themselves. Like it's very tough. So, uh, how do like how does that takes place? Like how does that happen? Hmm. You know, it's actually, and I mean, anyone who's listening to this as well, please feel free to reach out. A lot of the messages that I get are from young queer people whose families are not accepting. They're scared of what to say to their families. They're scared that their families won't accept them. And unfortunately, <clears throat> I am an exception. A lot of families are not queer friendly. But what I will say is that one, as queer people, we have families of birth and families of choice. Mm-hmm. There's a family I was born into, but then there's a family I've created for myself. and i think even for me today the family is created for myself are as important to me as the family i was born into and so <clears throat> all of us have a family out there outside our biological family and there is a value to that and there is a value to embracing that when we decide to come out and if and when we decide to come out our biological families don't support us but in india we uh, believe that our family our legacy is like a part of who we are basically and if they don't accept then we feel like we have just lost a part of ourselves like we are just so engrossed with our family so mm-hmm. like leaving them like just going out of that comfort zone will that be like okay like for people And also in the tradition where people, like especially in Indian people, families like almost like there has to be a legacy. There has to is always like okay if I like usually um they do if I get my son married to this woman I'm gonna give her this and my kangan and you know everything is so ritualized to like a very different extent. The family roles are yeah family roles are quite glorified I would say 
in one sense an exaggerated so i think what's important to note right is do you want to accept family just because it's a cultural imposition just because the structure you've grown up in or are you embracing the value that family brings and i think the second part of it is important i think if your family structure is built on the foundation of love if it's built on a foundation of caring which many family structures are then it's worth investing in that family structure and it's not that it's going to happen overnight right when you come out there might be a phase when your family doesn't accept you some people take days for their families to accept them sometimes it takes months for others it takes years and decades you know there are stories of people who've been accepted by their families mm-hmm. 20 30 years after they came out so coming out and being comfortable with your family is not an event it's a process and we continuously coming out to ourselves to our families to our friends to our partners and that's something that we need to work and that we build families as well right in addition to the families we have Oh, I think queer is a part of remembering that that you can create your own in so, your own idea of family. Yeah, speaking of the family of created uh, outside your biological family the pink list India the name. Mhm. Uh, usually we associate LGBT with the rainbow. So why pink color? Like why the name pink and its significance? You know I think Very simply, this was a rather silly story. I think pink just gets a bad name everywhere. So we came up with pinkless India because why not? It's this one flamboyant color. It's also part of the trans flag. It's um, you know, uh, it also got a very important history with the gay rights movement. The Nazis had pink triangles for gay people in the concentration camps, and so. the name has a longer association with queerness and also a deeper association with how uh, femininity is looked down upon and sort of boys don't wear pink and that entire range of stereotypes but this came about as a playful name you know we could have called it satrangi list india or rainbow list yeah. india but we had rainbows everywhere so why not pink and the name stuck it clicked and it sort of carried on ever since hmm Go ahead, Radhika. I was just saying that the name you've selected and the thought process behind it is magnificent, like very nice. Thank you very much. Um, how did you reach out to politicians and finally curated this list? How did you get access to you know views of the candidates at the phone? Mm-hmm. They were starting out. So, so what's a really great part of this list? Right, is the fact that we did not reach out to a single politician because yeah. it was very important to us that politicians had already taken the stance publicly. So I don't want the politician to tell me personally over a phone call that they're queer, affirmative, or they support LGBTQ plus rights. We wanted each politician to put out a statement of support publicly. So we collated this actually from a lot of Lok Sabha debates. We've collated this from a lot of um, other news articles, speeches, and interviews that politicians have given. We've also collated it from simpler things like tweets and Facebook posts. So it has to be 
publicly out there for the politician to be featured on the pink list. And that's what, after we started the list, a lot of politicians came up to us and said, oh, we want to be a part of the list. And we said, sure, then put out something publicly. Because we don't want this system wherein politicians are LGBTQ plus friendly in private, but refrain from taking any stance on queer rights publicly. Um, do you think the same politicians also took a stance when Tarasenda was being tabled in Parliament? No, they didn't. No, they didn't. And that's exactly why this list is important. Because we need to hold them accountable. So long we didn't know the ones who had made LGBTQ plus rights a part of their agenda, right? Today, if a politician says, I support LGBTQ plus rights, it's not just a statement of support. It means that they are accountable to the people who then elect them or then who support them. And so if you have claimed to support LGBTQ plus rights, but you've been silent on the trans act, then it was still the trans bill, that means that you deserve to be called out. And we don't really pay attention to the promises that politicians make um, to marginalized groups, and we take them as something that's fluff or that's something that's not important. But it's important to sort of archive, it's important to document everything they've said so that we can hold them accountable when the time does come to hold them accountable. So, yeah, now I get the idea more clearly, like how actually this list helps. And I mean, it becomes so important when we put it in the context of transgender this. And how, um, okay, okay, so how, uh, would you like to like throw some more light on the work related to Pinkless India, like just for us to like get a comprehensive idea? Sure. So, with Pinkless India, we started off India's first archive of LGBTQ plus rights supporting politicians, or rather politicians who've made statements supporting LGBTQ plus rights, right? So when we started off, we thought that we'd have 10 to 15 candidates for the Lok Sabha elections on this list, and it came about primarily driven by the election. We ended up with more than 75, of which 20 got elected. So we thought of what we can do after that. And what we focused on doing ever since is becoming a voice for the intersection of queerness and politics. So we've spoken up about the Trans Act. We've spoken up about the CA and NRC. We've spoken up about other political movements happening across the country, including sedition cases that were filed against students who attended Mumbai Pride. And we've carved a niche for ourselves as a political voice for the queer community that stands up for our rights. Great. Um, how do you bring representation of uh, like individuals from margins, representation uh, of people who can lead the queer movement on margins, and how do you also bring about like awareness uh, of the concept of queerness and supporting queer rights on people who probably don't have access to uh, Facebook, like like our generation generally has a lot of access to their reading up on Facebook or just like YouTube mm -hmm. or engaging. So yeah, how do you reach out to people on margins who because yeah, I mean they might not have the same information access that we people have. So that's yeah. So any form of building awareness is always a process of allyship, right? So 
for the queer movement as well, and a very young movement that the queer movement is today in India, it is a process of bringing various people on board from various backgrounds. Now, this happens in multiple ways. One is when you stand up for somebody else's rights, they're more likely to stand up for yours. So it's important for the queer community and the LGBTQ plus community to be aware of the different groups fighting for their rights in this country and demanding the same rights that we've been fighting for for so many decades. So, for instance, there was the lockdown in Kashmir where there was a complete communications blackout. And for me, it was incredibly important for queer people to speak up and say that this lockdown and this internet blackout has meant that no queer person in Kashmir has access to a safe space. Because it means that your digital safe space is cut out and because there's a curfew, your physical safe space is cut out. Which means that these are queer people who've been living at home in unsafe environments with families that might, might not accept them for months. And if you think COVID-19 was bad, this has been continuing in Kashmir for over seven months now. And so it was incredibly important to speak up then and Remarkably, that happened in August. A few months later, in January, a lot of Kashmiri students who had seen that turned up at Mumbai Pride. Mm. And so you see how building this conversation, ensuring that you stand up for somebody when they need you, allows them to recognize you as somebody who's fighting for their rights as well and that shared sense of they're in this together. And that's how you build up. Because you're never going to be able to just say that save LGBTQ plus rights, protect LGBTQ plus rights, and then get the support of the majority of the population. It's a give and take. You fight for their rights, they'll fight for yours. And that's the only way you'll reach out to that every last citizen in this country. And that's the only way you'll manage to make any change at the grassroots level. Pretty interesting. Right. Uh, I'd like to ask, what is pride for you? Like, what, what is pride, pride for me? Yeah. <laughs> you know, nobody asked me this question before. Wow, I've never really thought about it. <laughs> what is pride for me? Taking me completely off guard, but fun. Um, sorry, I hadn't looked at these questions before. It's been completely bonkers with a lot of relief work in Bombay right now for COVID-19. But pride is um, pride is joy, pride is exhilaration, pride is a sense of community, and pride above all is love. And pride is knowing that there is someone out there taking care of you, looking out for you, and someone you can turn to, and being grateful for that every single day. Oh, wow. that's, that's something we've never like heard about or like you know never felt something like that ever like um so also mm-hmm. before we go forward with questions related to sexual assault that is mm-hmm. in the queer community in general or related to LGBTQ so I have this question so uh have you seen um Shrup Mangal Safan or phone more shots, or any of these movies, which which have tried yes. to be very community. 
So, what do you think about the LGBTQ representation in cinema? And do you think, and also its impact on the society? Mm -hmm. You know, again, that's a very tricky question. One is because you need to have queer characters being played by queer people, right? Um, mm. And you can't have this sort of tokenization of the queer community that you see very often. Uh, the other thing is it's important to have representation as well, and it's important for the big actors and the big stars to play these characters because it seeps down and makes it normal, quote-unquote. Uh, for people to accept queer people as one of them. What I think is important is that even in this filmmaking, right, let's, you need to figure out that who are the queer characters being represented. Unfortunately, every single portrayal that I've seen has always been of um, characters who come from a certain background, be it caste or be it religion, it's also of characters who are always uh, physically able, right? Uh, except for Margarita with a straw that had representation uh, that was inclusive of ability. A lot of other queer portrayals are here. Protagonists uh, falling in love with another fair like skin protagonist. So we need to question about whether we have diversity in the representation of queer characters, are we creating them just to be like good-looking bodies on screen that normalize being queer? But do you think it's the starting point for people to actually engage with this, that, okay, that third gender can exist or probably same-sex marriage can exist? Do you think it acts as a starting point for a lot of representation as well? You know, I think there's two ways to look at it. One is a lot of people do feel that it does. And that's a very top-down approach where you think that fixing things at the top will eventually trickle down to the bottom. For me, fundamentally, it's more important to do the grassroots level work. I haven't really seen um, the top-down approach being as impactful as conversations between people, as community conversations, as uh, smaller events. You know, so I think um, for me, uh, I'm glad that there are filmmakers making queer cinema. Some of them are incredible friends. Uh, Faraz Arif Ansari, who's made um, this beautiful movie, Gay Silent Film India's first Gay Silent Film Sitak, and is now made Shir Kolma. He's a lovely friend. I think he's the sort of filmmaker I want to see come up more and more where there is a diversity of representation. Queer filmmakers making queer films about queer lives that are not heteronormative. Okay. And uh, I have one more question related to it. Uh, then probably mm -hmm. you can So uh, how do you explain this concept of queerness to elderly generation? Like if you had to put it grandparents, my grandmother, she's the only one uh, surviving now. It's very natural for my grandmother to accept queer couples. She's like, yeah, these two people are in love, so what? Um, and I think that's partly because we haven't had any sort of organized homophobia or systematic homophobia that exists in this country. Uh, in, like, large, in large ways. 
like in former shots also uh, when bani came out then her family was very you know uh, not okay with it or just was not at all supportive right then so if like like if that situation arises like what's your take on that like that, so that situation like, is going to arise that situation is going to arise very often and the only solution to that always is time if somebody loves you they're going to want to see you happy and when they see that you're so happy with the person you love it's only a matter of time before they start accepting you and of course that hurts you and of course there are heartbreaks and of course there are times when a lot of us will feel dejected depressed um completely shattered by the fact that our families don't accept us and we'll continue trying to find ways for them to accept us and sometimes it will work and that's the hope we all live on but, but in- the great part is that even when it doesn't hmm. even when it doesn't we know that we have other families to rely on and you know this is also i think um, with queerness it definitely gets accentuated sort of um, accentuated and amplified higher but think about it for a lot of people right it might be about choosing the person you want to marry in an intercaste marriage it could be about uh, pursuing a profession you want to pursue and families take time to reconcile with those decisions as well then i have a two like two way question about this like for example uh, if like even if it's a intercaste marriage people in india are so lot not okay with it that they just you know sort of uh, like retaliate against it like they just disown mm-hmm. it and with with time we don't accept it like even after like so many years they just don't like that is how rigid people of india are like that is one thing and like uh, which is very like not or uh, uh, not okay with the situation and also like what mm-hmm. is the steps you guys are taking or what could be done and also the second thing which comes in mind is that even uh, like even after so much is done there is so much of uh, discrimination violence humiliation against the uh, transgender community that sometimes they are just so depressed and they more often like they commit suicide and things like that if there is no support like even if there there is a family other than their biological family then also they feel like so uh, out of the place like more often than mm-hmm. not so what what is your take on that let us get this question on its head and say that this is a universal problem families are complicated families are messy families are often not the ideal spaces we want them to be and it's mm-hmm. time we start having a conversation about that for queer people that conversation is one that we grew up having and mm-hmm. so we found ways around it if your family doesn't accept you welcome to the rainbow family i know so many friends whose families are not accepting and we're there for each other whether it's a blood test whether it's for going on a drive or whether it's sending the name of a therapist across or whether it's Come But that also there is so much of violence, discrimination, humiliation, mm-hmm. and that is the reality of the world we live in. And the only way we can get through that is by finding our support system. And you know, the reality of the world also is that after all that, 
Mm. You are not getting hurt. And that's why you have to continue but we, fighting uh, But we can you always choose who we want to get hurt from. Like, mm-hmm. that's the thing. Like, normally you can just choose it. Like, who you want to get hurt from. And here you don't have a you choice. You choose who you fall in love with. You choose who you fall in love with. <laughs> yeah, we do. You do? Yeah. We put brain in it, right? You know, let's wait for a while. Let's wait for the first heartbreak when you put all your brain into someone you've loved and they sort of turn out and hurt you harder than anybody ever could. And, you know, and that's in friendships, in love, in so many other things. They're going to get hurt and we never really choose. And that's life. It's not a roller coaster. It's not a it's not a rosy picture everywhere. It's a roller coaster. And what we can do is make those bumps a little softer, but we can't eliminate those bumps completely. That's true. Okay, how do you think on an individual level, we as fellow mm-hmm. members can actually support the LGBTQIA plus community? Like apart from just like apart from uh yeah, like how can we do that? On a passion activism, which which does mm-hmm. sort of value, and how can we also make activism better? Like what is currently happening by the university students, or in whatever way we engage with, uh, something you think is wrong with activism or the portrayal uh, of LGBTQ community that you realized? No, it's a great question. I'll give you a, I'll give you a small idea. One. How can you be a better ally? How can you contribute if you're queer? How can you sort of contribute to building awareness, right? I think the first thing and the fundamental thing is start small, right? Have these conversations with your family. Have these conversations with your friends. We all have that one homophobic friend who needs to sort of be corrected. Start there because your queer friend might not be in a place to correct them because they're scared of what they'll think. But you changing their mind will make it a much safer place for your queer friends to live in. And you might not know which of your friends is queer and trying to come out of the closet. So ensure that you speak up for them. It's very, very important to show that there are people around you who will fight for your life. I think for a lot of young queer people coming out, it's important to see their friends step up for LGBTQ plus rights, even though they might not have any LGBTQ plus friends. You might think you have no friends who are gay. You might think you have no friends who are lesbian. You might think you have no friends who are trans. But that shouldn't stop you from speaking up about those issues because you never know which one of those are in the closet. And when they see you stand up for those issues, they'll know that they can trust you, that they can confide in you. And that will be the beginning of their process of coming out. And so, at the smallest level, speak up wherever you get a platform. Don't just speak up about LGBTQ plus rights in uh, a panel on LGBTQ plus rights. You're discussing mental health, bring in the LGBTQ plus perspective. You're discussing politics, bring in the LGBTQ plus perspective. You're discussing uh, healthcare, bring that in as well. You know? In many of your conversations, conversations around bullying, conversations around love, conversations around um, pain, conversations around family, make sure you bring up these topics. I think that's the most important thing that anybody can do right now, speaking up about this 
continuous. The second part, which is a very important question about how to get involved with activism and what are the challenges to activism today. I think one big problem right now is that we think of activism as fitting into these little boxes. You know, the Kashmir example I gave earlier as well, I think it's one that stands out. But when you're speaking up about LGBTQ plus rights, remember that queer people are also Dalit. Queer people are also Adidas. Queer people are also trans. Queer people are also Muslim. Queer people are also marginalized in various sectors. So when you speak up about LGBTQ plus rights, and you don't speak up about Islamophobia or casteism or transphobia, your activism is hollow. Because you have to take everybody along. You have to fight for everyone's rights. Because there's a beautiful Audrey Lord quote that I keep going back to, uh, where she says that there is no single issue struggle because there, are, there is no single issue oppression. And oppression is intersection, it is varied. And we have to acknowledge that. True. Uh, talking yeah. about the rights, uh, what's your take on the implementation of Section 377 and how ha- has it even improved the life of the like LGBTQ plus society? Like in- Absolutely. So, for those who don't know, right, Section 377 is the law that criminalizes sex against the order of nature. And it was primarily used to target gay men and trans people. Mm. And this was a big problem because even though the convictions under Section 377 were few and far in between, it was often used to blackmail and extort people who were not out and threaten those who were afraid of the consequences. And Mm. so the, the striking down of Section 377 is a momentous moment in Indian queer history because it was the first time when LGBTQ plus rights became a part of the conversation. When news channels were having debates about gay rights, when news channels were talking about queer and trans people. And it has been incredibly helpful in taking the struggle forward. That being said, we have to remember that it doesn't end at Section 376, right? Again, we have a trans act that's transphobic. The trans community is in real physical danger because of a law that was passed by our own government. Section 377 is a British law, colonial law. It took us some time to get rid of it. This is a transgender rights act that we came up with, with our government, that was claiming that it was helping the trans community, when in reality it's going to end up killing the trans community. So how do we fight back against that? Those are bigger battles that we need to now pick up. Those are struggles that we need to have. And you should remember always that the law is but one thing. I don't know if you watched the movie Aligarh, speaking of queer movies and queer portrayals and movies. Aligarh is a spectacular film. And what a lot of people miss in that film is the fact that uh, when Professor Siraf died by suicide, he died when Section 377 was actually not officially on the statute book. The Delhi High Court had struck it down and it was legal to have gay sex in India. But it was the social stigma around this and the fact that 
a tape of him having sex with someone else that got leaked uh, and called Aligarh Muslim University to fire him that became such a massive issue that he ended up dying by suicide. So we have to remember that the law, of course, is important. It's important to change the law and fight on that front. But that's where Pinkless comes in. That's where a lot of grassroots advocacy comes in because we realize that the law is not the be-all and end-all of our struggle. Sure. And that we're going to have this fight that needs to be fought on multiple levels. And it's going to be a fight that's going to take a long time. And we're going to have to fight it every step of the way. Hmm. To achieve the inclusivity and, you know, to get queer voices and mainstream, do you think affirmative action could be a policy action as a way to go? you know, get more inclusivity in general to also remove like this homophobia where they might not be like getting jobs otherwise because they identify themselves as queer. So how Mm -hmm. do you think of affirmative policy and what extent can be um, helpful to protest the movement? So to realize that reservations and affirmative action in India are based on historical oppression of marginalized communities. Right? So I think uh, the community that needs reservations and that has demanded reservations is the trans community. Because LGBTQIA plus mm-hmm. has not been historically marginalized communities in the same way the trans community has. The trans community, largely the Hitra community also has been historically oppressed in the sense that they've often been thrown out of their houses. In a majority of cases, actually, majority of trans people have thrown out their homes. Large number of them uh, suffer and deal with a range of mental health issues. Um, and most importantly, uh, there have been structures that have been created for the trans community to exist outside the biological family system, like the Karana. And for any progress to happen because trans people are thrown out of their homes so early in life and because they don't have the same access to education or healthcare or any other facilities that allow others to get a job or advance in their careers, affirmative action is an absolutely integral and necessary step to ensure that they can live with dignity and have their right to livelihood affirmed by the constitution of the country. And I think Reservation for trans people is a demand that has been raised time and again. It's a demand that has been ignored by governments time and again. And it's a demand that needs to continue being raised because without that, the trans community can never really find uh, justice. Um, so there's this thing that strikes me when we talk about... Uh, also, that's just something that was raised when it was... Uh, when the debate related to Article 377 was going, that... Uh, section 377. Sorry. Yeah, Section 377. <laughs> uh, there were several mentions of homosexuality, uh, even in Indian mythology, like in Kama Sutra, or even the men- examples of gods came up, like Agni. Why do mm-hmm. you think that Hindu society, like someone which is considered to follow the scriptures rigorously and religiously, why do you think in your opinion, that homosexuality is still disgraced by the Hindu society, do you think the narrative or like the scriptures in general have been uh, hijacked by like certain people on what they want to interpret? Or yeah, why do you still think that? 
you know, I don't, I don't buy this logic at all. I think uh, revisionist attempts to read homosexuality into scriptures, any scriptures, right, mm-hmm. are a failed attempt. Uh, no society has been accepting of queer people in history. It was not like ancient Hindu society or ancient Islamic society or ancient Christian society were paradised for queer people. There are one or two mentions in scattered places, but we all know that there is a big difference between mythology and society and acceptance in mythology and acceptance in society. A few stray examples cannot be construed to make it seem like it was very acceptable across history. I think there's a very dangerous narrative that plays out in India right now that, oh, homosexuality was okay before the British came, after the British came, being LGBTQ plus was stigmatized and now we've gone back to ancient India. That's absolutely rubbish. Absolutely. Even before the British came, this was not a paradise for queer people. It never has been. And this is a struggle that we will continue to fight and this is a struggle we fought for decades and millennia. And stigma and discrimination has remained. I think it's also important for us to understand that this is also rooted in many ways to caste. A lot of queer people, especially trans communities, have been treated as lower caste. And caste professions have been assigned to them. So, homophobia and transphobia is also deeply connected and rooted to casteism. And casteism was not brought in by the British. If you had a chance to formulate a law for safeguarding uh, LGBTQ plus uh, rights, what would be uh, that law like? What would be the most significant difference and what would be that law you'd like to formulate for them? We're actually doing a hackathon on that day after tomorrow. The most important law for queer people in India right now, after we fix the transact, obviously, is an anti-discrimination law. It is not good enough for me to have sex with whoever I want if I can be fired from my job for being gay. It is not enough for Section 377 to be struck down if I can be denied entry into a restaurant or a hotel or a government office for being gay. Unless LGBTQ plus people get the right to be treated as equals, unless there is a comprehensive anti-discrimination act that ensures that hate crimes against LGBTQ plus people are punished, that ensures that <clears throat> equal access to all public spaces and private spaces and equal access to all government services is mandated, we will not progress in this movement. Article 14 grants us equality, but we need explicit recognition of that equality with punitive measures through an anti-discrimination act. And this needs to not just be a central act, it needs to happen in our schools, it needs to happen in our colleges, it needs to happen in our workspaces, and it needs to happen in all institutions across the country. We're discriminating against someone for being queer, for being part of the LGBTQ plus community has to be unacceptable and punishable. Okay, I I do have one question, one more question, that sexual assaults and queer community often are ignored by most people because because it is perceived in the society that same-sex violence cannot happen. Because when we, when people talk about rape, we usually uh, 
uh, against the other region again uh, get classified there, so you can still have that same punishment under 377, which is still lesser than the punishment for women. So we don't have gender neutral rate laws. And so these are conversations that are important to have. It's still happening. But one, we systematically treated uh, trans people and other queer people as lesser humans because we think them as easy and we'll get you out. We've not prioritized and valued anonymous narratives like queer people who can't afford to come out of the closet because it will throw their entire life into a TV uh, without any provisions for protecting them. Understandable. Uh, there is also one thing which uh, comes in my mind a lot of time. Like we all know there are many misconceptions prevailing our society regarding the queer society. And what are, what is the most absurd misconception you have heard? That all of us. Sorry, go ahead. I believe there would be many, and what would be your reply to it? Like <clears throat> the most absurd one is that all of us are good at fashion. Yeah, I don't know where this has come about. I barely know how to dress myself. I think I need advice from all the street people on how to do that. I don't know why everyone thinks that all the gay men know how to strut and walk the ramp like supermodels in Paris, but that's mm-hmm. not true. Like the drag queens. Please send. Please send. No, not even drag queens. Apparently, I'm, I know how to dress very fashionably and I will uh, be able to be GQ's best dressed of the year. Please send tips if anybody listening has any suggestions that I think all the women need them. Yeah, right. We're not as fashionable as you think we are. I promise. Some of us are. The rest of us look to those some for advice. Not like all of us. Hi. Sorry, yeah. I didn't catch that. I, I said that uh, dressing up like normal, like how we anyone would like whatever a person's normal choices would be, they would be same with the whole yeah, community. Exactly. Yeah, that's a big misconception, I guess. Then. Correct. Hmm. What What's you, the most absurd thing that you've heard? I have heard. Uh, I've heard like. Uh, like any like if a person is a gay then he could have feeling for like any man or like anyone and if it's just a man like anyone like out of anything and he would have it for everyone like I don't know I just heard it yeah I know this is a very funny one as well anyone and everyone yeah I wish I wish I'm you have, say, a lesbian friend and you are a girl, you just can't be friends. Like, that's the most absurd thing I've heard. I don't know why. Yeah, you shouldn't be friends with any boy also, no? All the boys, in fact, are uh, anything that moves. The rest of us have some taste. But, yeah, I just find it very <laughs> weird. Like, if you get... Mm-hmm. Yeah, if we are attracted to guys, then that doesn't mean that we can't just be friends with guys. Like, it's normal. Yeah, absolutely. And we don't have feelings for everyone. Absolutely. Like, it's quite absurd. Like, very absurd. <laughs> um, Before we move to the rapid fire round, there is a lot of misconception that exists about gender, sex, 
sexual orientation that a person has and the difference between queer and like the difference between like transgender and a and person being from LGBT person identifying oneself to be from LGBTQIA plus community. Okay, so repeat uh, whoever's listening, repeat after me. LGBTQIA plus lesbian women who like women. Gay men who like men, but also women who like women. Uh, bisexual people who are attracted to multiple genders. T <clears throat> uh, transgender. Uh, someone who has been biologically assigned one gender at birth, but is of another gender. So somebody who's been assigned male at birth. But who is a woman, right? Um, Q queer queer is a umbrella identity. Anybody who identifies as part of the spectrum, it's also a political identity. To be queer means to stand up for the rights of every queer person, to reject heteronormativity, and to lead a life that is uh, independent. I, intersex, is where you have variations in your biological sex. Uh, A is asexual, which means that you are not sexually attracted to other people. But asexual doesn't mean aromantic. You might still be romantically involved or romantically attracted to somebody else. You just don't have sexual feelings for them. And LGBTQIA+, plus, plus the whole range of other identities. So, Feel free to explore them. The fun part is nobody gets to tell you what you are. And this is a part of the queer project, which is that away with the binary and you claim your identity to yourself. Okay. And I also would like you to throw light on the difference between gender, sex, and sexuality. Actually, yes. there so, is one more thing, like, uh, we have for, like, things like sapiosexual, pansexual, demisexual, that, that, uh, that thing belongs to the plus thing, right? Correct, so that's plus. Okay. So everybody go online and look up your acronym. Do your alphabet <laughs> Yeah. But you asked me gender, sex, and? Sexual orientation. Correct. So, sexual orientation is... Yeah, so, yeah, so, so, sex is usually used to refer to biological sex, which means, um, what sexual organs you have. It's a very crude, um, understanding of our human body, right? So, sex is the organs you were born with. Gender is a state of being. Do you identify as male? Do you identify as female? Do you identify as trans? Do you identify as gender non-binary? Do you identify as gender queer? Etc. Uh, Etc. Et this has nothing to do with your sex or the organs you are born with. Sexual orientation has nothing to do with either of those. It means the sexual. It means the gender you're attracted to. So if you are attracted to the same sex, it's homosexual. You're attracted to the opposite sex, it's heterosexual, and along those lines. 
multiple people uh, multiple genders more than one gender bisexual um, or a person regardless of gender sexual multiple identity Um, Radhika, do you have any other questions? Um, Radhika, do you have any other questions? No, I'm done. As of now, like I don't have anything else. Okay, so we'll have like a very small rapid fire, just like no anything. I'm gonna. Okay, I'm excited. Do I get a hamper by the end of it? I wish I had fun today. I'm the I'm the I'm the only family, so I have to get the hamper. <laughs> I've always dreamed of being on coffee with Kavanya. Come on, give me a hamper. I need lockdown. Digital hamper you can give me. You can send me. You can send me a cat <laughs> gift <laughs> as my hamper. Yeah, give me a cat gift. Send a nice cat gift. Um. Okay. Chalo, let's start okay. after five. Alright. One book which is your favorite, and you wish everybody have would read that book. Giovanni's Room by James Baldwin about being gay in Paris. Okay. And heartbreak. <laughs> One habit you follow to de-stress yourself regularly. I. Good question. I don't know how to de-stress. It's a very bad habit. Uh, I don't know how to not stress. Um, but I read. I think reading is a great way to take stress out. You take an hour out and you read. If you had one superpower, what it would be? Sorry, can you repeat that? I didn't heard you. Uh, I wasn't able yeah. to hear you. Please repeat it. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yes. I can. Can you repeat that question? I said that if you had one superpower, what it would be? If you had one superpower, what it would be? If I had one superpower, what would it be? Or to hibernate? I wish I could hibernate. I would really like to hibernate. It would be great if I could sleep for like two months and then be productive for the rest of the year. Yes, I'd love to be a functioner. Yes, for the time on earth, is it panda? <laughs> panda bear. Yeah, like a panda or like a bear. What's your current jam song that you? What's the song you are currently jamming to? What's the current song? Song jamming to right. This new that this new. I just don't actually. I don't really. I have been listening to a lot of. आज जाने की जिक्र ना करो. It's a very melancholy mood. It's not exactly a jam, but. Yes, it is a song that often plays in the evening. Uh, also very old, so it probably sound not cool anymore. Okay. Um, if you had an auto autobiography, what would it be named? I've thought about this. I have a very great answer ready, <laughs> but uh, but damn, I can't think. Creative subversive. Something I came up with very randomly. Creative subversive. You can elaborate on that. Like since you thought through it a lot, I'm hoping. That's fine. No, I'm not going to elaborate. My intellectual property. Somebody will steal it. Ajay, who who is the person you look up to? 
I look up to someone called Parmeer Shami, who heads the Buddhist India Culture Lab, and who was incredibly important in helping me come out and giving me a space to find myself. My biggest fear, your biggest fear, I mean. Oh, failure of embarking upon something that fears miserably and letting down people in the process. How do you define success for yourself? Best 
Sie heute und auch nun Always question yourself. Sorry, could you repeat it? Always question yourself. Oh, 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 oh. That's a okay. deep thought. Um, three things on your bucket list which you are looking forward to in 2020. <laughs> I don't think I, what is what is 2020. I'm sorry, 2020 is erased from this world. 2020 is cancelled. We don't think about 2020 anymore. A bucket list for 2020 that is going to get systematically ruined by coronavirus. <laughs> no, I want to. I want to have a bucket list for 2020. I don't even know which year. I, I feel like if I say bucket list for 2021, that also gets washed out by coronavirus. It will just be like a naughty. Alright, and what's the what's bucket your bucket list? Bucket list, list yeah. in general. Chale, yeah. Bucket list in general. Uh, bucket list in general is to. Translate an anthology of poetry. Um, go back to Paris and live there for a while. And um, I don't know the third thing. Do to ensure that a queer person uh, wins an election in India very soon on the bucket list, on a big part of the bucket list, in the next five years actually. Okay. What do you see? Where do you see yourself in the next 10 years? Very t-shirt. I hope you have thought through. Helping, the, helping queer people get elected in India. I want to ensure that progressive queer candidates who stand up for the rights of everybody get elected to public office. Present an MLA to MP in this country very soon. It's time. If there's one thing you could do, knowing you won't fail no matter what, what's the thing you would go for? If there's one thing I could do, knowing that you won't So what would you go for? Knowing that I won't. Won't fail. Won't fail. Yeah, you won't fail. You would make it like whatever you wish. You will make it. I would run, I would run, I would run, I would run for office, I would, I would run to get elected. Oh, <laughs> all elected very as? But yeah, elected as an MLA, PM. Elected Thank you so much, Anish, for taking out the time to be a part of our podcast. And we really appreciate all the work that you're doing. Thank you so much for such an insightful and inspiring conversation. Um, thank you so much. Contested legacy, a very, very contested legacy. But and, and, uh, any words? Yeah, an important one. Yeah. Um, uh, what's the one message you would like to give out in the end, if you to the world out there? Have we reached the end already? I thought this would. Message. Um. Find love wherever you can and remember that no matter what, you always have a family out there for you. And go out and find it if you don't reach out. And that's what we're here for. And we're going to create.